brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. A few months ago, I promised to look into the question of the history of papal abdications, not the question of whether Benedict XVI resigned lawfully or not, since in my mind only God and a future pope has the final say on that question, but the history of papal abdications itself, because history provides several examples of popes who resigned from the throne of Peter, which shows that despite what we may as lay Catholics feel about the concept of a pope resigning from the papacy, the church has recognized over and over again that popes can and do resign, with the first case of this happening nearly 1,800 years ago. Some of these resignations were voluntary, and some of them were very much not voluntary. Some were saints, and some were villains of such caliber that it is little wonder that Hollywood hasn't made a film depicting their misdeeds. The history of the church is fascinating, and looking at these popes in brief is a way to get a better understanding of our times in the church. So the first of these popes to resign was Pope Pontian, who became pope in the year 230 AD and resigned in 235 AD. Now, why did he resign? He was one of the men persecuted by Emperor Maximus Thrax and was sent to work in the Sardinian mines as punishment for being Christian. In the year 235, Pope St. Pontian resigned the papal office because he knew he was going to die soon, which in fact happened the next year. He was the first pope in history to abdicate, has never come under scrutiny or fire for his abdication, and is the source for the papal precedent for abdication being licit. The second pope widely believed to have abdicated was Marcellinus. I say widely believed because the evidence for this abdication and the charges against him are more than a little sketchy and have largely been lost to history. But here's the accusation against Pope Marcellinus that led to his abdication. He ascended the throne of Peter in 296 AD. During the Diocletian persecution, Marcellinus has been accused of pinching incense to Caesar to avoid persecution himself. The evidence for this is, again, practically non-existent, but the story persists. Take it with a grain of salt, but he did abdicate the papacy. The third pope to abdicate is another example from history, where, again, the accounting is less than reliable, and the circumstances are in question. So for this, we, we go to Angelus News, an article that they published some years ago, which provides a good brief accounting of the case of Pope Liberius. Quote, some historians postulate that the first pope who has not been declared a saint, Pope Liberius, 352 to 366, resigned the, pap the papacy in 365. The documents available are very conflicting and polarized. By the time of his pontificate, the church was already free to practice her faith openly, but she was plagued with Arianism, a heresy that denied the divinity of Christ. Emperor Constantine's son, Constantius II, who was the sole emperor of Rome from 350 to 361, was an avid Arian. He deposed Pope Liberius and sent him into exile in Thrace in 355. The Pope stayed there for two years. Meanwhile, the emperor appointed Felix as Pope. We refer to him now as anti-Pope Felix. When Liberius returned to Rome to resume his papal ministry, the local clergy were divided between him and the anti-Pope. The confusion continued with the elevation of his successor, St. Damasus I, in 366. It took 12 years for St. Damasus to be universally recognized, thus bringing the division to an end. End quote. 
Moving on, the fourth papal abdication was John the Eighteenth, who was appointed by a corrupt and powerful Italian family that was attempting to functionally rule all of Italy from the shadows. They knew that if they used their power to appoint the supreme pontiff, they would control Rome. And if you controlled Rome, your influence would go far beyond the Italian peninsula. John the Eighteenth was appointed pope in the year 1003, and resigned in 1009, retiring to a monastery. Why he resigned is unknown, though a hint of why comes from some historical context. Italy was at the time a mess of city-states, plagued by attacks from Saracens and other groups who targeted the shores of Italy for their various criminal endeavors, all made all the worse by Italy's internal divisions. The social situation was frankly unstable. John the 18th may have resigned due to political pressure or simply because he realized he wasn't suited for the job and needed to step aside to make way for someone more capable. At the time, the Roman pontiff was also the ruler of the papal states, to give you some concept. So the fifth papal abdication was the infamous case of Benedict the Ninth, who resigned and sold the papacy to his godfather. One article describes this awesome story this way, quote, Placed on the papal throne by his father, Count Alberic of Tusculum, Teofilato Tuscolani was 19 or 20 years old when he became Pope Benedict IX. Clearly not suited for a career in the clergy, Benedict enjoyed a life of licentiousness and debauchery for more than a decade. At last, the disgusted Roman citizens revolted, and Benedict had to run for his life. While he was gone, the, Romans, the Roman citizens directly chose Pope Sylvester III to replace him, but Benedict's brothers drove him out a few short months later, and Benedict returned to take up the office again. However, now Benedict grew tired of being Pope. He decided to step down, possibly so that he might marry. In May of 1045, Benedict resigned in favor of his godfather, Giovanni Graziano, who paid him a hefty sum. Yes, you heard that right. Benedict IX sold the papacy. End quote. During this time, Pope Sylvester III tried to return to Rome. That same article continues with this fascinating narrative, giving us our next papal abdication, number sixth on our list. Quote, Giovanni Graziano may have paid for the papacy, but most scholars agree he had a sincere desire to rid Rome of the abominable Benedict. With his godson out of the way, Graziano was recognized as Pope Gregory VI. For about a year, Gregory tried to clean up after his predecessor. Then, deciding he'd made a mistake, and possibly unable to win the heart of his beloved, Benedict returned to Rome, and so did Sylvester III. The resulting chaos was too much for several high-ranking members of the clergy and citizens of Rome. They collectively begged King Henry III of Germany to step in. Henry agreed with alacrity and traveled to Italy, where he presided at a council in Sutri. The council deemed Sylvester a false claimant and imprisoned him, then officially deposed Benedict in absentia. Though Gregory's motives had been pure, he was persuaded that his payment to Benedict could only be viewed as simony, and he agreed to resign for the sake of the papacy's reputation. It's a good move on his part, I think. <laughs> the council then chose another pope, Clement II. Gregory accompanied Henry, who'd been crowned emperor by Clement, meaning Holy Roman Emperor, back to Germany, where he died several months later. But Benedict did not go away so easily. After Clement's death in October 1047, Benedict IX returned to Rome and installed himself as Pope one more time. For eight months, he remained on the papal throne until Henry drove him out and replaced him with Damasus II. After this, Benedict's fate is uncertain. He may have lived another decade or so, and it is possible he entered the monastery of 
Grota Ferrata. No, seriously. <laughs> End quote. And he was the Pope that I referred to whenever I was referring to Hollywood at the beginning. If Hollywood was in any condition to make a historical movie accurately and without any misanthropic agenda attached to it, I'd want to see a movie about Benedict IX that sounds like it has an incredible potential. I just wouldn't trust modern Hollywood to do anything related in any way to Catholic history. But moving on, the seventh papal, eighth papal resignation, wherever we are at this point, if we count Sylvester, was the famous case of Pope St. Clement V. The story goes like this. Rome was in a state of financial corruption. Pope Nicholas IV had died in two years past. It had since passed in that time, leaving the church in a state of sedative Kant, meaning the See of Peter was vacant, meaning no pope. The cardinals could not decide who to make pope for two years. As the story goes, a pious 80-year-old hermit monk named Pietro de Morone wrote a letter to the cardinals telling them to get their act together and name a new pope. He received a response from Rome informing him that he'd been named pope. Seriously. He accepted the job, not because he wanted it, because certainly he did not, but because he felt it was his duty to submit to God and the church. He lasted only a few months on the throne of Peter before resigning. He was no administrator. He was not able to institute the reforms that were badly needed at the time. Boniface VIII was named in his stead. The example of Pope St. Clement V is the most instructive here for the Benedict XVI question for at least one reason. Months prior to Benedict abdicating, he visited the tomb of St. Celestine V, as did Francis this past August. But most interestingly about this is this little tidbit of history. Despite there being a few examples by then of papal abdication. And despite Celestine writing a document outlining the proper procedure to abdicate bef before himself, abdicating immediately thereafter, Celestine was not able to return to his monastery because some felt in his monastery that his abdication was illegitimate. He died later in an Italian castle in the year 1296. Kind of a tragic end for him. And the final case of papal abdication takes us to the Great Western Schism, and for a brief account of that, we return to the Angelus Press article. Quote, During this tragic period, there were two popes, one living in Rome and the other living in Avignon, who claimed to be the true pope. At the end of the schism, there were three claiming to be the true successor to St. Peter. However, the true pope was the one who resided in Rome. That was Pope Gregory XII who resigned the papacy for the greater good of the church, which needed to be healed of the scandalous open wound. Since only a true pope can convene a valid general council, Gregory agreed to abide by the decision of the council if he were to officially convene it. His summons of the Council of Constance established the validity to his claim to the papacy. As he had promised, he resigned the papacy on, the, on July 4th, 1415 so that a new pope would be chosen, one whose papal authority would be recognized by the universal Catholic Church. His resignation of the papacy practically brought the end to the Western Schism. The abdicated pope retired to Ancona, where he died in 1417. The cardinals waited until Pope Gregory XII died before they convened in a conclave to choose his successor, end quote, which they did, Pope Martin V. All accounts of papal abdication you find online then go immediately to Benedict XVI, but you know the official story of why he abdicated, and I'm not going to repeat it here. I have a lot of questions about that abdication, but I am not firmly on one side or the other of that question. Any list of abdicating popes needs to put an asterisk next to his name due to the questions that surround it. But one thing worth noting here is that there are numerous examples I just presented of pontiffs who were forced to resign, who did not leave willingly, 
and whose abdication is considered valid by the church. That adds another dimension to the Benedict resignation question itself. But that, I hope, added some clarity to the question of whether popes can resign the papal office or not, since some believe that they can't, despite the church consistently saying otherwise. So let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help, as does sharing this on social media. It helps a lot as well. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.